She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I have missed you. Is it possible that I can miss you in a week? Well, I guess it is because I, I have I have absolutely missed you guys. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you throughout this whole series, right, that we have going on because it is just, it's, it's so, it's so freeing, you guys. To walk into a totally new, different season, confident. There is something so incredibly freeing about walking into something that could potentially scare you, knock you down, knock you off, your your peace. When, when God has asked you to do something big, it's scary. And when you put these principles that we've talked about for the last couple of weeks into place, it is so freeing. Yes, if you have not been listening, I am in a series called When the New Makes You Nervous. And even more than that, how can you operate in a life when God asks you to do something huge? And how can you walk into that new thing not being nervous? You can walk into a new thing fully confident in the ask of the Lord. I am so excited to get into that in just a a minute or two. I want to tell you what's going on in my world. What is going on in my world? So much, you guys, so much. I actually had to think through, what am I going to tell people about what's going on in my world? Because it's kind of overwhelming right now in a good way. We're seeing promises fulfilled. We're seeing God really move very tangibly. You know, when you, you, you pray for the hand of God in your life and then, and then he comes, that's kind of the, the, the season that we're living in right now. And I, I don't want to rush in. I want to sit in the majesty of it. So I decided what to tell you guys about my life this week. I want to talk about my kids for a second. And I want to say this to every mom or dad out there that is listening. It is important. And I've learned this over being a parent for 16 and a half years. It is important that your children hear you take up for them. Okay. We've learned that when our children are doing the right thing and when our children are following what the course that we've set out for them, it is so important when something goes awry for you to stand in the gap for them. I had a situation with one of my children that has happened recently where they came and they got in my car and there was a situation that had happened at school and I had to get involved in this situation. And my child sat in my car for about three minutes. They didn't say anything. (laughs) I don't think they wanted to say anything, honestly. But uh, there's multiple times in parenting where in the, those moments are really, really powerful. And I felt like I was picking my child up from school and I felt like the Lord said, Autumn, let it linger. Let them talk first. 
I knew it had been a hard day. I knew a lot had transpired. Listen, our kids go through a lot at school just because it's not a lot based on how we measure a lot as adults does not mean that it's not a lot to them. And I knew that this child, I'm not going to tell you who it is, had had a really rough day. So I'm sitting in the car. I'm not saying one word. And we're about three minutes into this car ride and they speak up. And, And what they do is they grab my hand. They tell me, mommy, thank you so much for helping me. Thank you so much for taking up for me. Thank you so much. And then they began to just break in in my car. They were very upset and it's almost like a cleansing. You know, when you cry, you kind of cleanse or whatever. You cleanse, cleanse yourself. You just need to get that out. It, yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm sure there's some medical reason behind why we cry and we feel better after we're done. But I just sat in the car holding their hand and I, I didn't say anything. Just let them talk. And through the course of that conversation, it was very, very clear how much they needed their parent to help. And of course, I was there to help. And, you know, their dad, their dad is always there to help as well. I mean, we, we kind of tag team this parenting thing. If they can't get a hold of me, they'll call him. But they just got a hold of me first. <laughs> But I started thinking about this and I started thinking about how we as parents represent God when we do this. When our children are doing the right thing, they're doing what we're asking of them to do and they get pushback, they need their parents to come in and help support them. And it's important. It does something to their heart when they hear their parent come in and support them and take up for them and say, this is right for my child. It does something to their heart. Okay. And I started thinking about that. You know, my parents are, you know, clearly I've been out of the house for a very long time at this point, but my parents are are more friendly now than parental. Of course, I go to them for advice, but when I step out and I know that God, that I'm doing something that God has asked of me and it's hard for me to step out and it's hard for me to take a stand and it's hard for me to do the ask of the Lord. I need the Lord to come in and support me. And as I was sitting there in the car with my child, as they were holding my hand and listen, I love to hold my kids hands. I'm like, listen, (laughs) I'll hold your hand when you're, you know, 56 years old. I have no problem doing that. I love it. It was very clear that me speaking on their behalf and taking up for them was exactly what their heart needed to be stabilized. It was a it was a pretty awesome teaching moment that we had, you know, with me and of course Eddie entered into the conversation when he got home from work. But it was an awesome conversation that we got to have. And we got to tell all of our children, we have your back. And I want to encourage you as parents, you know, sometimes you don't know when to interject and you don't know when not to, and you don't know when to whatever, and you don't know when to insert yourself or whatever. But this has happened multiple times in our lives. It's happened a lot with the babies when we'll be standing there and there'll be someone that refers to 
Moses and Haven as those kids. I correct them instantly. They are not those kids. They are my kids. Okay. I think it's very important that they know as children that they have parents that will stand up for them and that will stand in the gap for them, just like the Lord does for you as an adult. It was a really touching moment. I felt almost like, you know, they matured, my child matured during that process. And of course, I I felt like mom of the year when they were crying, telling me, thank you so much for helping me. I needed your help. And I want to encourage you, you know, these, these problems that your children have and they, when they come to you for help, that is an opportunity for you to represent God the Father in their life. It's an opportunity for you to say, I will help you. I will stabilize this. I will interject for you because that is what God does for me and for you as an adult on a regular basis. I felt really, really strong that I needed to share that story today. It was, it's kind of a personal story, which is why I kept what child it was very vague, but I want you to know that your kids need to hear, they don't just need to hear your criticism of you need to do better and stop doing that or whatever, you know, stop burping at the table and, you know, calm down and stuff. They also need to hear you stand in the gap for them when it comes to other people, when it's, when they feel overwhelmed. So that's what's happening in my world. Parenting is a 24, seven, 24 hour day, 365 job. Okay. We are constantly busy with our children, but we are raising the next generation of courageous believers, the next Joshua's, the next Moseses, aha, uh, we even named one of them that. We are naming the next Rahabs, the next Esthers. That, that is who we are raising. That is who we are raising. And so those conversations are important. So make sure your child hears you defending them and taking up for them. It will do a lot for their soul. Okay, I'm going to be back for um, our last installments of when the new makes you nervous is going to be good. You're going to love it. I'll catch you after the break. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply. But God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of his reach to use and redeem all things for his purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab, the biblical harlot, and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse, and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get your copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. (laughs) 
Okay, guys, I am back. I'm so excited about today. Like I said, I couldn't wait to get to the studio today to record this. I want to just do a real quick recap of the last few weeks, okay? We talked about when the new, we're talking about when the new makes you nervous. And I want to just, if you have not caught up on this series, I want you to go and I want you to catch yourself up, okay? (laughs) It's good. If God's asking you to do something and you're like, I am terrified, this is your series, okay? We talked the first, the first week, we talked about processing your past, okay? Number one, processing processed your your past. This is all out of Joshua 1. I talked the first week a little bit about Deuteronomy 34. The Israelites had to process the death of Moses before they could move into the promised land. That is the first step in the new not making you nervous, okay? The second step is this, listen and receive, okay? Listen and receive. This is so important because God outlined the who, what, when, where (laughs) to Joshua in one verse, which is overwhelming, like completely overwhelming. So he specifically told him what he wanted to do. And then with that ask of the Lord, he also backed up that ask with a promise. He said, okay, this is what I want you to do, but don't worry because no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. I also talked to that second week about how Joshua, I'm sure felt like a failure. Okay. Remember Joshua was one of the spies. Joshua and Caleb were one, was one of the two spies that tried to convince a million people in Israel that the land was actually good. They needed to go into the land. The land was good out of numbers. He was one of the 12 spies sent in, but he could not convince them. Okay. So I made the point. Sometimes you may feel like a failure, but God's got you. That was week two. Week three, we talked about how You must rely on the word of God. Number three, the word alone. And when you rely on the word alone, you will be successful. That's actually exactly what the Lord says, relying on the word of God alone. Don't turn from it to the left or to the right. Do not turn from the word of God. Stay straight. There is safety in the shelter of the word of God to your life. So we talked about that last week. This week, it was actually supposed to be a a five-week series. I'm going to condense the fourth week and the fifth week together. The first week, it was this, process your past. The second week, it was listen and receive. The third week is obey to do, talking all about the word of God and being successful. Today, I want to talk about the fifth thing, which is be strong and courageous. And we're going to end it with don't get too many opinions. I want to go directly back to Joshua 1, okay? And we're going to talk about what is being strong and courageous. How does the Bible define being strong and courageous? I know from my study that strong and courageous, and those two words are used about 15 times in the scripture. They're together. One of them is when David spoke to Solomon and told Solomon, be strong and courageous. 
we know that three of those times are located in Joshua 1. So God, when he repeats himself, he wants to make a point. Okay. It's like, he's speaking in all caps in an email. I love all caps. I use all caps all the time. Even when I'm, I don't really need to use all caps. I just do it. I don't care if it annoys people because I love to do it. Okay. It makes my point so strong. So imagine this be strong and courageous, like all caps in an email on a text message, whatever, like hear what I'm saying to you. Okay. This this, this this word, this phrase in Joshua 1, 7 is maybe not what you think. Let me read it for you, okay? Joshua 1, uh, we'll pick it up in, in 6 because it says it in 6 first. Be strong and courageous. Again, God is speaking solely to Joshua. This is a monologue, really, that God is telling Joshua. It is a private conversation. No one is privy to this conversation. Like I told you in week two, it is a loving father speaking to his son and encouraging him with his word, with his promises, with his direction. Just because we all know about this private conversation does not make it any less private when it happened, okay? So this is God the Father speaking to his boy, Joshua, and lifting him up. So this is what he says, Joshua 1 says, be strong and courageous for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only he says it again, be strong. Now he adds a very and very courageous. (laughs) Be careful to do according to the law, which Moses, my servant had commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. We talked the bulk about that last week. Verse eight says this, the book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, like we talked about last week, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. There is a way to be successful. Go back and listen to week three of this. Verse nine is where I want to camp. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says it three times, repeats himself, be strong and courageous. Now, if you didn't study the original language of be strong and courageous, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, God is just calling Joshua to, you know, do do extra reps at the gym or whatever. And that is not at all what this is saying. When you actually look at the original language, I want to tell you what it means. First of all, the word, the Hebrew of the word commanded, have I not commanded, is to command or order. So God is not actually asking him to be strong and courageous. He's ordering him. Hey, hey, Moses, can you go clean your room or go clean your room? You see, there's a big difference. Okay. God was not saying, hey, you know, if you feel like a Joshua, how about you be strong and courageous? He was saying, have I not commanded you? I am ordering you, Joshua, 
to be strong and to be courageous. It means to order. You have listened. This is what God is saying really in, in this Joshua 1, 9. You have processed, you've listened, you've received, you've obeyed my word, you've meditated on my word. And now, now the next thing for you to do in order to walk into the new, not nervous, now the next step is to be strong and courageous. This is a step <laughs> that God adds in to these five different steps in this passage that does not need to be skipped. What does strong and courageous mean? Strong in the Hebrew in this passage means obstinate, obstinate, no matter what. A hold, harden, be sure. Courageous means this, steadfast. You can look these up for yourself. A blue letter Bible is a great tool that I use a lot to look up all the different uh, tenses of the word and definitions and stuff like that. Blueletterbible.com. You can go find it. I love it. It's a great resource. It's excellent. But as I was looking up the Hebrew definition of strong and courageous, it hit me. This is what it hit me. God was not asking Joshua to do more reps at the gym. He was not asking Joshua to go out and to, you know, be, get strong. Obstinate. What does that refer to? A hold, harden, to be sure, steadfast. He was asking Joshua to be mentally strong, mentally courageous. Because he knew what was coming on the other side of the Jordan. So this is a step, the fourth step, right after we meditated on the word because we want to be successful. The next step is okay. I want you to be steadfast. I want you to be obstinate in what I'm asking you to do. I want you to hold. I want you to harden your mind on what I am asking. I am commanding you. I am ordering you right now to focus on my ask and to be strong and courageous mentally. Now, this is, to me, it kind of makes me emotional a little bit. The fact that God, the Father, took the time to address Joshua's mentality. Listen, Joshua had never been the top in charge, ever. He was Moses' secondhand man. But I can tell you, after being the lead in charge for a very long time in lots of different, <laughs> it's like everywhere in my life. I'm the one who's in charge. It is totally, completely, a hundred percent different than working for somebody else. In the past, Moses had always been the one that Joshua could have blamed. Moses was the one that was taking the, the brunt of all of the persecution, really, by, by the Israelite people. They were murmuring and complaining against who? Moses. When you're the top in charge, you have to understand that not everyone is going to like what you do. 
It is a whole different level of, because you know, someone's not going to like you. Someone's not going to like what you say. Someone's going to take what you say out of context. Someone's going to assume that you think whatever. It's a whole different level of responsibility. And those that I'm talking to today know exactly what I'm talking about. It's even as a, a parent. Like you can look at someone else's kids and watch them or like as an aunt, <laughs> like my sisters, she's, uh, she watches my kids every once in a while, but she gives them back. I'll watch them for a second, but you're a mom. So, you know, you have to make a hundred percent of the decisions every, every time. It's totally different when you are the person in charge. It is a totally different mantle. And imagine the responsibility that Joshua had to be in charge. It was like the hardest task of all time, leading a mill-ish, it's not approximately a million people, probably many, many more than that. I'm just saying a million because I've just gotten the habit of saying it. And knowing the culture that the Israelites lived in for a very long time. The Israelites were prone to complaining. They were prone to worshiping other gods. They were prone to backbiting. They were prone to negativity. So God in his agape love for Joshua, agape means unconditional. In his agape love for Joshua said, listen, I'm going to give you a command, a mental command. You must, I'm ordering you to be strong and courageous. And I'm ordering you to do this because God knew what Joshua would face on the other side of the Jordan. This makes me emotional because I have set in what I have felt like is the hardest decision of all time when it comes to leadership. It's the hardest decision of all time when it comes to making that next move in faith. And I come back to Joshua one time and one nine and Joshua one nine is one that Instagrams really well. You want to get a lot of likes, throw that up on your Instagram feed. You know, uh, people love, people love the, the fruit of this verse. But reading this verse and doing this verse when you're faced with something that is incredibly difficult are two different things. The thing that I love most about this verse is after studying the original language, I know that it talks about God is speaking to his mental state. And this is why he addresses that. He addresses his mental state. Because God didn't need Joshua's might. God did not need Joshua's strength of body. God didn't need his muscle. God needed someone that was surrendered, that was confident, steadfast. Remember remember what I just said? Courageous means steadfast. Strong means obstinate, no matter what. God didn't need Joshua's muscle because God was the muscle behind Joshua's strength of mind 
encourage. God was telling him this. I want you to be strong mentally and I want you to be courageous because I need a vessel to use to go face Jericho. I need a vessel to use so you and all of my people can go into Canaan and can get from me everything I've promised them. I will be your might, but you have to be courage for me. This is the fourth step because after you've processed the promises of God, after you've processed your past, after you've processed the ask of the Lord, you can get to a place where the Holy Spirit is so incredibly, like like you can't shake the Holy Spirit. You can't shake the ask of the Holy Spirit. It's so clear that you can get to a place where you say, you know, I am strong. I am steadfast. I know exactly what God wants me to do. And I'm going to do that because I'm going to walk out in faith and I'm going to be the vessel, but God's going to come behind me with his might to actually do the task that he's having me lead. Joshua didn't tear one of those stones down at Jericho, Jericho's walls. He didn't do any of it. The walls fell flat by themselves and they actually fell in, which is interesting because I've studied the excavations of Jericho. So the Israelites were able to walk up into the city. So they, they fell in and they actually created what was kind of like stairs for them. Joshua didn't rip down the walls of Jericho with his hands. God was going to do that. But what Israel needed is a leader who was confident that God was going to do that. That's the four step, guys. I love this. I want to get to the last one because it is, it's, it's, it's so good. <laughs> the last one is like, ah, I couldn't wait to get uh, to this one. That's the fourth step. Be strong and courageous. Okay. The last step is don't get too many opinions. How the new cannot make you nervous. Stop talking to people. I'm going to take it straight out of scripture, you guys. It's going to come right out of Joshua 1.10. Listen to what this passage says. We're going to focus on one word, okay? It says this, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people saying, prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days, you are to cross this Jordan to go and to possess the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you. We're going to skip down to verse 13. Remember the word, which Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you saying, the Lord, your God gives you rest and we'll give you this land. And then he goes on. I want to focus on one word as we are uh, closing up. I'm going to take a couple minutes to talk about this because it is so incredibly important. The thing that is so great about this next verse, Joshua 1.10, is what it does not say. Okay. Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? This is from the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Normally in scripture, when whoever God is speaking to 
starts talking, they rebuttal whatever God has told them. Guys, the fact that Joshua says, uh, Joshua 1.10 says, then, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, moved me in a totally different way. Why? Because just about everyone in scripture questions God when he gives them such a task. What did Moses do? He questioned God five times. We talked about that earlier in the year. Oh God, I don't know how to speak. Who shall I say? Send me. What? They're not going to listen. What am I going to do? And then eventually Moses made God mad. And he's like, oh my goodness, stop talking. That's not what it says. But basically, and he says, okay, you can have Aaron as your mouthpiece. Just go, go, go do what I say. Every time God gives a specific command in scripture or a specific ask, when the person he gives it to stops, starts talking, they always question God. Joshua did not do that. I think of Gideon. God shows up under the oak tree and he says, hey, Gideon, valiant warrior. And Gideon's like, what are you talking about? Why are you calling me that? I'm not a warrior. I'm the least in my father's house, blah, blah, blah. You can read it for yourself in Judges. Every time God speaks, there's a rebuttal, except in Joshua 1.10. There is no rebuttal. There is no Joshua questioning his calling. There is no Joshua saying, oh, my Lord, I'm, I have a headache. I need to wash my hair. There's none of that. It doesn't even say in this passage that Joshua even says anything to God. It's the one of the most refreshing revelations I've had about this passage because we do that. Oh, God, I can't. I can't do it for whatever reason. I think Joshua learned from his leader, Moses. It didn't work well for him. Bringing Aaron along caused him a lot of problems. One of them, namely the golden calf. Joshua knew because of what he had seen over the last four years that God was good when it came to his word. So he received it. And then this is the word I want to talk about. It says, then, then Joshua commanded the officers. What did Joshua not do to the officers? He did not say, hey, guys, let's have a focus group. I just talked to God and God wants us to go in to Canaan. What do you guys think about that? Tell me all of your opinions. Let's, 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 let's learn from each other. Tell me everything you guys think. Joshua wasn't interested in what the officers thought. (laughs) He was interested in executing precisely what God had told him to do. Guys, this word then we can learn from like a lot. Okay. A lot. He did not talk back to God. So many people got in trouble doing this in the scripture. They got reprimanded by God. They got corrected by God. They got things taken away from them by God. Joshua knew, listen, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. Then Joshua 
commanded the officers. There was no staff meeting. It was immediate obedience. And you guys, you, you know what? I think that's one reason why he was so successful and why he was so revered. Because he didn't question God and then he didn't send out a group text to say, what do you guys think about this? I'm thinking about whatever. Tell me all of your opinions so you can distract and detour me from what God has just told me. He didn't share it with a small group. I, I got so frustrated one time. Listen, I am a fan of small group. Like I love small group. I think it is incredible. But when your small group contradicts what the Lord has clearly told you, you got a problem. You need to walk in the authority of the Lord, not the authority of some manly wisdom. Now, manly wisdom is great. And don't hear me say otherwise. But we are getting tripped up on other people's opinions of what we should do rather than immediately obeying and trusting God with the outcome of what he is asking us to do. There was no small group. There was no group text. There was no mass email. There was none of that. Then Joshua commanded. He took precisely what he was supposed to do. And he did it. How refreshing is that? I don't know where you're at today, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna close maybe a little bit earlier. I feel I felt very strongly about this week, like I told you when I first started recording. But I feel like there is some people that are listening today that are delaying because of someone else's opinion. You're delaying because you did send out that group text. You did call that friend that, you know, I mean, 40% of the time they have good advice. <laughs> so you're hoping that this is one of them. And you are being detoured from what God is asking of you. Then Joshua commanded. Not then Joshua told God how he was incapable he received it, and then he took exactly what he said, and he executed it. Someone needs to hear that you need to do that today. Maybe you're staring at your husband, and you're like, I'm so mad at him. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even believe what he did. Maybe you know that the Lord needs you to reach out an olive branch, but you're just too prideful to do it. Listen, I have been there. I've been married a long time. <laughs> so many times I'm like, mm, I'm not making the first move because pff, no, he needs to. I get it. Maybe it's an email that you need to make or a call that you need to make or um, I don't, I don't know what it is, but you know what it is because I am confident that the spirit of God is speaking to you in this moment and saying, you know exactly what I want you to do. Now you need to do it. My husband and I, a couple of years ago, delayed something that God had asked us to do for about two years. We delayed, we wanted ultra confirmation, ultra, you know, you know how it is. I want you to give me 46 signs. And then after that, I want you to give me 27 more. <laughs> that's what the season that we were in. And bottom line, it was a season of unbelief on our part. And we didn't know until a couple of years later why God asked us to do that thing two years earlier. 
and it affected our family. Guys, then Joshua, this is your sign. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Do it. Whatever it is that God asks you. Stop talking back to God. My last point was do not get everyone's opinions because you don't need them. Then Joshua commanded the officers. I'm going to leave it right there. I hope this encouraged you. These five points are so practical. Like, I don't really think that you could get more practical. Number one, process your past. Number two, listen and receive. Number three, obey and do what the word says. Number four, be strong and courageous. And the last one is don't get too many opinions. I hope this encouraged you. I hope it helps you. I know that it definitely has helped me to look at this passage in a totally different way. I have got an incredible question for you guys afterwards. It's a really precious question. I want to take some good time on it. So we're going to take a break. Join me after the break for this awesome question. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, I want to take my, welcome back. Uh, I want to take my time on this question because I just think it's really good. And I think, um, although this is a specific situation I'm going to be talking about, I think a lot of us can use my answer for different situations. We got a question in from a gal named Jen, who is a faithful listener to the podcast. God bless you, Jen. Thank you for writing us. I really appreciate it. By the way, you can email your questions to hello at autumnmiles.com or DM us on social or comment on any of my posts. We, we kind of pull from a lot of different places, but we got this question in from Jen and I will spare you most of the details, but I do want to give you kind of the scenario. Jen and her husband just left a church that they have attended for a very long time, over a decade. And they left because they needed to leave. They felt like God was moving them on and God was moving them on. Um, and they're attending a new church in the area. And I'm just going to read what 
the sentence says, one of the hardest parts of this journey has been having to have conversations with our eight-year-old son about the transition, okay? It's been so hard on him. We're trying our best to prayerfully and tenderly answer his questions the best that we can without going into details, okay? All he wants to do is to go back to the former church and because his community is there. Her question is, how do we have him not resent the fact that we left our old church? And how can we build back up trust with new faces? I think this is an excellent question. And Jen, my my mama's heart goes out to you. We have had to do this exact same thing. We have had to move, change churches. We've had to change states. <laughs> not just churches, but states. And I want to tell you something as tenderly as possible as in my experience as a mother. We do the best we can. And it sounds to me like you guys are really, really trying to protect your son's heart, your son's mind. But I want to encourage you in this. God wants to protect his heart and mind even more than you do. And I think sometimes as moms, we can get stuck on, I want to protect, I want to fix, I don't want him to hurt. But the truth of it is, is that those are the situations when we can invite God in him. You said he was eight years old. I get it. I've had, I've had a couple eight-year-olds. I'm about to have two more. But there are situations, even at the tender age of eight, that the spirit of God wants to minister to him in a way, Jen, I say this with all respect, that you and your husband can't. And what I'm sensing from this, and we, we've had to go through this as well, where I have literally had to say, God, I don't know how to fix this. And I want with everything in my being to fix this hurt in my child, you must intervene in their mind and encourage them and comfort them in ways that I can't. I have prayed that prayer, Jen, probably hundreds of times over the years. And eventually you do see when you invite the Lord in, God, work in my child you do see the spirit of God working in them. You might not see it for a week or two. You might not even know it happens. But I'm telling you, we have to trust the hearts and minds of our children to the God that created them. I remember, and I'll tell you, a very different situation, but it was incredibly hard. My husband and I, you, I don't know, Jen, if you're, if you're a, a faithful listener of the podcast, uh, you probably heard this story, but we are fans of bringing our children in to our struggles so that they can see the power of God come through. There is nothing more that I can tell you that will preach to a child when their parents let now and now age appropriately, of course, that we don't, we don't tell them everything, but we do tell them in code 
things that are happening in our lives. And we bring them in to say, this is something we need to pray about as a family. We bring them into the struggles so that when God comes through and we believe by faith, he will come through, they get to see that. And that encourages their faith much more than your words ever could. Okay. When it came to adoption, when we, we, we went on the adoption list to adopt initially, we were matched with a woman who was pregnant with, who told us she was pregnant with twin girls. Grace at the time was about eight. Jude would have been, oh, five. Okay. We told them in, in their, their eight and five-year-old way, listen, this is happening. What do you guys think? We brought them in on our journey. What do you guys think? We're going to invite them into our family. Do you give us our blessing? And they both said yes. And so we, we accepted this birth match, okay, is what they say. A couple of months later, we found out that the woman wasn't pregnant at all. (laughs) It was a terrible, terrible situation. So I had to go to my eight-year-old, my five-year-old and say to them, this woman did something bad. She lied to us. They were expecting two twin sisters at March of that year. And I remember Grace specifically coming to me and she just couldn't understand, like, why would somebody do that? And what would be like, why? She just wanted to know why so bad. And I didn't have a why to tell her my, my words fell flat every single time. And I remember her being so hurt because she was so excited about twin baby girls in our home. We were all excited about it. Identical twins that that was one specific situation where I had to say, God, you, your spirit has to minister to grace because my words are failing her. And I want to tell you something, Jen. It's one of the hardest ways to surrender because it's your child. But I believe after reading your story and reading your question, reading your email, I, I believe that this move, because we know it was of God, we know you, you had to leave, we know God was moving you on somewhere else. It's not just going to, God's not just going to show up for you and your husband. He has amazing plans for your eight-year-old as well. And when we let the Lord minister to our kids and when we bring the word of God in and show them from scripture why God is good, no matter if our circumstance is bad, God will bring good out of it. Romans eight twenty eight. for those that are called according to his purpose, it does something to them. They start learning about God in a whole different way. And I just really sense as you know, your older sister over here, that this is something that God may be wanting to do in your life. And, and I'm believing that for you. I hope that helps you. I know that we all love our kids so much and I know it's so hard to hear, see them hurt, but God wants us to welcome him into the hurt and he wants to interject his might into the situation. And, and it's amazing to see what he will do. Okay. Grace, uh, really, really, really is so happy that we didn't get those twin girls because now we have Moses and Haven. 
So we see the, we're on the other end of seeing God move mightily in her life and in our life. And God's going to do the same thing for you, Jen. Let me pray. Lord, I love you so much today. We trust you, Lord, with every facet of our life. We trust you with our children, our marriages, our finances, God. We trust you. God, I pray for that one person today that is praying about stepping out in faith. I pray for them. I ask you, Lord, to embolden them, to give them the courage, to give them the the mental inward strength. I pray that you would remind them, yes, I need you to be strong mentally because I'm going to be your might. I'm going to take care of this. If you can just make that call, I'll do everything else. If you can just send that email, I'll do everything else. If you could just step out in faith this way, I'll do everything else. Because that's what you did for Joshua. God, we praise you. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity to serve you. God, I pray that you would continue to bless this podcast right here for your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I will see you next week. I'm so excited. We're going to start something new next week. It's going to be great. Thanks for joining me. We love you guys. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. Thank <laughs> you.